So one of the commercials that I remember the most from my childhood is the Chia Pet commercial. Anybody know the Chia Pet commercial? Ch-ch-ch-chia! Remember that? I love that. I don't know why. It's just so catchy. But like, here it is. Here's the box for the Chia Pet. Anybody ever seen this box before? Anybody ever got one of these growing up? Anything like that? It was this and the clapper for me. Remember the clapper? Clap on, clap off the clapper. I don't know if anybody ever bought them, but it was pretty cool. I ended up getting a hold of a couple of these this week, and did I have a selection to choose from? Like, so they have kind of the normal ones, you know, like the sheep, the cat, the dog, but they also have all these limited edition ones, like Baby Yoda. That's one. Chewbacca is one. All four of the Golden Girls for your collection, I guess. I don't know. David Hasselhoff. There are all sorts of different ones. And here are the instructions. It says, okay, first, submerge the Chia Pet into water for 30 minutes. So take Blanche from the Golden Girls and just get her down in there for 30 minutes. Okay, and then you take the seeds, you kind of make this little mixture, and then you kind of slather the seeds all over kind of the pot, and then you add some water, and then voila, a Chia Pet. So we actually kind of put some together. So Ginger in the office has been working on these. This is Chewbacca. He has a Wookiee pattern baldness, I think. He's not doing too well. He didn't do so well. But we had a couple of other ones, and they look a little bit better, a little bit more like what's on the box. I don't know if that's a cat, a dog. They all look the same, really. I think that's the dog. And then this is the cat. So here, here's this you know, Chia Pet. It doesn't look quite like the box. It doesn't. But it looks, it looks pretty good. And I, I started to think as I'm watching these grow and kind of thinking about them, I was like, why does somebody want one of these? <laughs> like, for real. It's like the easiest thing to grow, right? I can't grow anything. I mean, I look at flowers and they wilt. So, but with a chia pet here, like you can, you can do whatever you want. And it got me thinking, all right, seriously, do you want it for like a gag gift maybe? Or maybe you're really into the Golden Girls and you really want it? Why is this a thing? Like, have you ever wondered that like on these commercials? Like who is buying this? And I was really thinking about it. I think the people who are buying Shia Pets are looking for something with an easy and immediate result. Like a microwave dinner of plants. This is what a Chia Pet is. Takes no minutes, takes no effort. We kind of set it and forget it. And I was kind of thinking, you know, I think sometimes we view God that way. We kind of want to set it and forget it. Sometimes we view our relationship with God kind of like a Chia Pet. And I know that sounds weird. The jingle doesn't sound as good. Like, God doesn't sound as good. So to help us kind of understand, well, what am I talking about? How do we interact with God like he's a Chia Pet? We put something together. So check this out. Your favorite wise one now in Chia form. Uh, not that wise one. It's the all new Chia God. Just soak the chia in holy water, spread the seeds on, and in two to four business days, you'll have your very own chia god. Once your chia god grows, set it and forget it for an easy-to-access relationship with God. Chia god makes a great gift and is fun for the whole family. Shipping and handling not included. Chia god may appear as a cat, teddy bear, Chewbacca, Scooby-Doo, David Hasselhoff, or Bob Ross. Chia god accessories sold separately. Yeah, Bob Ross is one too. But I stand by it. 
Like the more I've thought about it, the more I go, you know, sometimes we actually do view our relationship with God kind of like a chia pet. See, we want, maybe we even expect to grow swiftly in our relationship with God, see immediate gains with little effort. See, we kind of want to have this set it and forget it type of relationship with God. We can see God once a week or worse. It's that type of relationship. And when we aren't growing, when we aren't getting the result that we want out of that relationship with God, we quit or we complain or we blame the church or we blame God. And this is kind of the box that we put them in. We kind of put them in that Chia Pet box. Now we're in a series right now that we're calling God in a Box and we're talking about how we put these unrealistic expectations or inaccurate views onto God. And then we get mad when he doesn't fit into the box that we designed for him. And we fall into this trap that our relationship with God should be quick, should be easy, And if that it isn't quick and easy, then he's done something wrong, then he doesn't care about us, and he doesn't really care about our growth. But here's the truth. See, God does care about us, and he does care about our growth. But we kind of stuff him into this Chia Pet type of relationship that our growth just kind of happens. Like, God isn't the Chia Pet. The more accurate view is God is like a gardener. And he cares about us, and he takes great care in helping us grow. Now, where I live, we have some fruit trees. They were there when we bought the place, and it's been kind of fun to see all the fruit that comes from them. But we learned pretty quickly. If you're not paying attention to the tree, if you're not tending the tree, a gardener, you know, who's focusing on the tree, it gets pretty overgrown, it gets ugly, so much so that the fruit falls on the ground all around and it starts to rot and it starts to smell and it attracts animals and bees and all these other things. See, we need someone kind of focusing on our growth. We need a gardener, someone cultivating, someone guiding healthy growth. Now, Jesus talks about this, this idea of God being the gardener. It's in John chapter 15. That's in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is one of the gospels. which talks about the good news and life of Jesus. And he's telling this metaphor. Jesus says, here's what I'm talking about. This is the healthy version, not the chia pet. So here's the spoiler. We're just going to talk about it. Here's what he means when he's talking about the metaphor. We're going to ruin everything. You don't have to pay attention or anything like that after this. This is what it is. God is the gardener in the metaphor that Jesus gives. He actually gives the metaphor three different times. God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. Jesus kind of connects us to God, the gardener. And we, his followers, or his disciples, are the branches. And with the storms that kind of went through here over the last day or so, we kind of see, hey, without being connected to God and the vine, branches just what? They just fall down. They're just on the ground. So let's take a look at this metaphor that Jesus gives us about healthy growth. He gives it a couple of times in a row. Here's the first time. This is John 15, starting in verse one. I am, this is Jesus talking, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit that is severed from the vine, which is Jesus. 
And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So let me give you just a little bit of context. The people who are listening to Jesus talk would have been his disciples, his followers, the ones that he called branches. And Israel, kind of the people of God, were historically the vine. That's what they would have expected Jesus to say. So the metaphor before Jesus was God is the gardener, Israel is the vine and connects people to God. And Jesus is saying, it's not Israel anymore, it's me. And the people listening would have been familiar with the vine. And Jesus just got done telling his disciples that one of them was gonna betray him. And he just got done saying, hey, okay, one of you is gonna betray me. I'm gonna die on the cross. Things aren't gonna go well for a little bit, but it's gonna be okay. And the disciples are confused and they're like, what, what does this mean? How are you gonna help us? How are you gonna like explain this to us? And this is how Jesus explains it. He says, listen, it's all good. God is the gardener. I'm the vine, you're the branches. So he tells them this and then he tells them again. Do you ever need something repeated before you start understanding it? I think Jesus knew that. So this is verse five. This is what he says. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, Jesus, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. A lot of us are thinking about that right now. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So what does this all mean? Like, What's he trying to say? How does this apply to our lives? Well, instead of a chia pet, he's saying God's the gardener and our, our growth is rooted in remaining with Christ. Now, there are a lot of different words that we could use for remaining in Christ. One word is abides. Any big Lebowski fans? Like the dude abides? Not what we're talking about at all. Not even close. Remaining or abiding in Christ means that we stay close to Jesus, that we're following Jesus' lead. So how do we do that? Well, he breaks it down and he goes into the third time in this metaphor. And I was kind of thinking, all right, so if Jesus was here today, standing up here, how would he communicate to us today? And I believe just in my heart of hearts, I might be wrong, but I believe he would use a flip chart. I believe it. So we're gonna have a flip chart come out. It's like the pastor's security blanket. It is my last Sunday before sabbatical. So I kind of felt obligated to do this, to bring out a flip chart. So this is what I'm gonna do. Here we go. We're gonna start in verse nine and we're just gonna break down what Jesus is talking about. Let's break it down. This is verse nine. I have loved you even as my father has loved me. Remain in my love. See, Jesus is saying, all right, remain in me. This is a theme over and over and over again. He's saying in this chapter, so, hey, rem- you know how God loves Jesus? Well, Jesus is saying, I love you that way and you should love me that way. So what is he saying? Well, let's talk about what does it mean to remain in Christ? How do we do it? How do we remain in Christ? Well, the first thing that Jesus says is we need to have a relationship with him. That's not complicated, We kind of get that, right? Just have a relationship with them. Okay. What's the best relationship you have in your life? You're not allowed to say Jesus, by the way. But what's the best relationship you have in your life? 
Like who loves you well? You know, who do you want to be around? Who do you text or call? Who's that relationship? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's one of your kids. Maybe it's your chia pet. I don't know. But ask yourself, ask yourself, that best relationship in your life, whatever it is, why does that relationship work so well? Like, why does it work? There are a lot of variables, right? You know, you trust each other maybe, you know each other, you've seen that they are who they say they are, or maybe you don't trust other people, you wouldn't say this anymore about a relationship because you've seen who they are. You've been through thick and thin. There are a lot of reasons but here's kind of just to simplify it a little bit. I believe a relationship is basically time plus effort. So trust is, in, is built into this effort, time, encouragement, love, all of that. Relationship equals time plus effort. When it comes to people, if we don't put time in, it's probably not going to work. I don't know very many people who are like, you know what? He's my best friend. Never talk to him. Don't care about him. Don't interact with him. Whatever. That's not the way that we interact with relationships, right? And if we haven't ever spent any time or effort in a, a relationship, if we like just are interacting, I don't know, online or something, like there's something that, that's called, it's called being catfished. Like be careful if that's the case for you. But the reality is spending time together, effort putting into the relationship, that is really what builds a healthy relationship. And sometimes we see movies or we interact and we're like, did we just become best friends? Like after talking to somebody for five minutes, that's actually more like chia pet thinking than it is gardening thinking. And when it comes to Jesus, it's really not that dissimilar. A relationship with Jesus takes time and it takes effort. He puts in the time and effort, by the way. But how do we? Well, it's a lot of the same things that we talk about. Read the Bible, pray, have church community, give thanks, give generously. All of those things are ways that we spend time. We have a relationship with Jesus. And then there's this other word that Jesus starts to use. So we have a relationship, but then he starts talking about this other word, and he starts talking about obedience. Check out verse 10. This is what it says. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, my relationship, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in a relationship with him, in his love. So obedience is a natural byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. There are ways that we can actually know if someone is remaining in Jesus. And one way is if they're willing to obey. So as a parent... Parents in the room, have you, have you ever noticed that your children, no matter what age your children are, they respond differently to you when you spend time together? Have you ever noticed that? I'm really noticing that as we start to enter into summer. I mean, maybe it's not always for the better, but they respond differently to our request. Maybe they express feelings that they wouldn't have otherwise. See, time is this vital part of relationship. And I know for my kids, when I spend intentional time with them, the relationship improves. Now, recently I was having a conversation with one of my kids. They'll remain nameless to protect the innocent or the guilty, whichever you decide. But this old child of mine, this is what they said, I can't wait until this summer because no one will be able to tell me what to do. Sorry, kiddo, that ain't happening. 
But it reminded me, this is kind of what we think about obedience. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to spiritual things, we'd much rather kind of set it, forget it, don't tell me what to do, don't tell me how to live. We think things like, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want to change any part of my life. But like I said, see, obedience is this natural byproduct of a relationship with Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus that is growing, that is removing, you're remaining in Christ, how do you know if that's happening? If you are choosing to obey. It just comes with it. See, we know him. We're known by him. And as we build a relationship, we begin to follow him, to choose what he would want for us. We stop being the most important relationship He becomes our focus. So as we build relationship, we start to build in obedience. So Jesus is saying, remain in me, obey my commands, then what? Well, this is verse 11. He says, I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is the image here. It's like a cup. Have you ever seen this happen? Like at a restaurant, somebody sets down a cup and then they just overflow it and it just goes everywhere. You can't control where all the water goes. It's just like into the cracks, it's into the sugar, it's just everywhere. This is the image here, overflowing joy. I want some joy in my life, do you? Let alone joy that will overflow. And Jesus is showing us, hey, this relationship leads to obedience And then this obedience leads to something else. This obedience leads to fruit in our lives. So joy is an example of fruit. It's not like a banana. I understand it gets a little confusing, but it's something that we call the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, These are examples of fruit in our lives that come from this relationship with Jesus. So you want more patience in your life? You remain in Jesus. You want more self-control? Have a relationship with Jesus, obey him, and that fruit comes in your life. Remain in Jesus and build a relationship with him. Now, I kind of describe fruit in two different ways. So the one we were just talking about, that fruit of the Spirit, Maybe it's lifestyle fruit. It's like that comes out of our lives today, things that we see today, can experience today. But here's here's another image, and it's not an image of oranges and persimmons and plums or anything like that, but have you ever heard the term kind of fruits of their labors? Have you ever heard that term? It's, It's kind of similar to that. See, remaining in Christ yields fruit in our lives like joy, but it also yields another kind of fruit. Maybe we call it evangelism fruit. Well, what's that? It's this fruit that comes from more people entering into relationship with Jesus. And a lot of times the Bible reaching, in in the Bible reaching people is described as the harvest. And it says there's a harvest happening all over the place and we get to be a part of it. As we live our lives and as we share this relationship we have with Jesus and we obey his commands, we go and share the hope of Jesus, fruit happens. Both types of fruit, lifestyle fruit, evangelism fruit. But what if we aren't fruitful? Have you ever wondered that? Or what happens next? Well, Jesus has already talked about it, actually. What happens next is something called pruning. 
You see the progression here? If we have a relationship and we obey, there's fruit. And if we have fruit in our lives, pruning will happen. He actually says this in verse two. This is how he describes it. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. The fruit we were just talking about, lifestyle fruit and evangelism fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. See, God is the gardener. He cuts, he prunes. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And if we aren't producing fruit, either we're withering away like the branches on the ground that you know the wind blew off, or if we are attached and we're giving fruit, that means that after this pruning, something pretty awesome happens. There's more fruit. And that's kind of the progression of remaining in Jesus. But I lost some of you at prune, didn't I? And you're like, well, that's a fruit, first of all. Relationship with Jesus, okay, I'm cool with that. Obedience, eh, I don't love that, but I understand. As long as it produces fruit, I'm, I'm cool with that. But pruning sounds painful. Pruning is cutting away the bad to leave room for the good. It's a natural byproduct in gardening. And it does sound painful as a person. And it does sound undesirable. And Jesus is saying, it's necessary to go through things in our lives that can be painful and undesirable so that we produce more fruit. See, God prunes us, cuts us, engages with us, helps us grow so that we produce more fruit, so that we'll continue to depend on him, so that we see him and life differently in a way that aligns us with him. And catch this, God prunes those who remain in him, not could, prune those who remain in him. He does. It will happen. It's a part of this. It's a promise. So you have a tough thing going in your life right now? It's possible. A lot of us carry weight, carry hurt, carry pain, and we don't understand why it's happening. And we don't know what God is doing when it's happening. And I know I struggle through this sometimes too. We have these things in our life And we're like, perhaps God doesn't give us everything we want so that we rely on him or so that we grow or so that we will bear more fruit, just like a healthy tree on a branch. We're stronger and we produce more fruit. So this is actually a picture of what it means to remain in Christ. We have a relationship Obedience is the natural byproduct of that relationship. We produce fruit, we're pruned so we can produce more fruit. It's the circle of remaining. I didn't, I didn't have the life. It wasn't really life. Sorry. So what's the point? What's Jesus trying to say? So this is good to understand, I guess, but so what? Like, okay, so that means that sometimes when things are bad, he's, he's helping me. He says, okay, you're tracking with me, remain in me. And this is how he kind of lands this. And he only lands it like Jesus can land it. This is verse 12. This is what he says. 
This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. He's just talked about all of this remaining and pruning and this is what he says, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Obedience, right? I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I have told you everything the father told me. That's relationship he's talking about there. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Notice it's not whatever we want, it's in the context of producing lasting fruit. And then he lands it, he says, this is my command, love each other. That's really what he's talking about the entire time. It's not a trick, he's just saying, remain in Christ means love. It means love God, It means love each other. It's just another way he says the same thing that he says everywhere else. Love. A lifetime of love. A relationship with Jesus surpasses any fruit that a chia pet could hope to produce. And our growth is rooted in remaining in Christ. It only happens when we are in relationship with Christ. And it takes time and obedience and pruning, and there's fruit, and there's good, and there's difficult. But all of that happens because of love. And when we we teach here at, at the Ridge, we try to really make it applicable to our lives. We try to say, okay, this is why this matters. That's where the flip chart came from, actually. It's like, how do, we, how do we see this? How do we understand everything that he's saying? And there are things that we could definitely say, hey, there are, there are things that we can do in each of these steps. Hey, how do you build a relationship with Jesus? We'll read the Ridge Reading Challenge and pray every day. Set a timer on your phone and go, yes, that is a way that I can grow in my relationship with Jesus. Or what about obedience? Are there things that you could be doing that you know that God would prefer for you to do, but you're unwilling or you're hesitant to do it? Is there fruit going on in your life? Can you actually answer that to the affirmative or not? Do you have relationships that you're talking to somebody about Jesus or do you have hope and joy and peace that you can find in your life? Are you relying on him? What about pruning? Is there something difficult going on in your life that he's asking you to rely on him while it's hard? Or maybe it's more fruit and more evangelism and more paying attention. Maybe God is prompting you to do something here and that's awesome. But I'm gonna challenge you for a moment as I was reading through it over and over and over again, I think we probably need to challenge each other in the same way that Jesus challenged the people who were listening to him the first time. So it's not all about all the stuff that we can do. His question is basically, what does it look like for you to love each other? And when you put other people first, when you're putting that relationship with Jesus first, remaining in Christ happens. This is my command, he said, love each other in the same way that Jesus loves us, by laying down his life for us. He's talking about the cross. He's talking about what he did and is about to do on the cross. He's saying, people, I love you so much, I'm willing to go and die for you. So am I asking you to die? No, not necessarily. Not in that way. 
But what does it look like for you to lay down your life for someone this week? There are ways to do it. How can you lay your life for someone this week? How can you lay down your life, maybe by prioritizing someone else's needs, someone else's hopes, someone else's dreams, or even, oh, this is the hard part, someone else's preferences? Maybe it's making a couple extra servings of your dinner this week and you deliver them to someone who you know needs a meal. And you don't ask, you just do it. Or maybe you pick up a couple of extra non-perishable groceries when you're out and about this week and you deliver them to Love Chapel. Or maybe you have a little bit of extra time over the next couple of weeks, Kidventure Cam is coming up. And there are kids who are gonna hear about Jesus in a brand new way, maybe for the first time ever. And you can lay down your life and your time and your energy and prioritize them. Or maybe it's just, you know what? I'm gonna go mow my neighbor's lawn. I'm not gonna charge them. I'm just gonna do it. Or I'm gonna fix the neighbor's fence. Or I'm gonna watch that neighbor's kid. Maybe I'm gonna be willing to have that faith conversation that I know I can have, I'm able to have, but I'm uncomfortable having. Those are all examples of laying down your life for somebody else. But for whatever reason, we aren't willing to do it. See, the list is endless. You know, one for me I was thinking about is it's like going home and it's playing with my kids even though I'm exhausted. That's a way of laying down my life for somebody else. What is it for you? See, there are so many ways to love each other, but my challenge this week is to lay down your life for somebody else. It's a way to remain in Jesus. It's the result of this relationship with God. It's the fruit that happens in our lives. And then we receive all of this amazing stuff back. Where do you think the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness comes from? It comes from laying down our life for someone else. See, our growth is rooted in remaining in Jesus. Simple concept, lifetime to figure out how to do it. So this week, in response to God's love, my encouragement to you is just, how are you gonna lay down your life for someone else? I'd like to pray for us. Heavenly Father, I confess to you that oftentimes I think of the way that you should respond to what's going on in my life is quick and easy. That I pray once or I focus my eyes on you once and then you're like, got it, taken care of. And you can do that and sometimes you even do that. But thank you today for the reminder that you invite us to remain in you, to stay close to you that it's a relationship that is deeply rooted. And it's rooted in what Jesus did on the cross that he chose to get up on that cross even though he didn't deserve that punishment for me and for everyone hearing these words and that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. You love us so much that you give us this opportunity to lay down anything that we have going on in our lives, any hurt, any habit, any pain, any suffering, any addiction, any worry, and we can lay it down at the cross. Thank you for that example of remaining in you and help us this week lay down our own whatever, our own heart, our own hope, 
our own time, our own money, and that we think about the way that you sacrifice for us and help us sacrifice for someone else by laying down, even for a moment, our life for someone else. And my prayer is that you blow us away with the fruit that comes from that, that we put you first and you just blow us away. We love you and we're thankful for Jesus and the cross. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.